move through this season of remembering the birth of Jesus, I want us to recognize a few things. Now, today is not a traditional Christmas message. You'll hear that tonight and you'll hear it on Christmas Day. Today, I'm really focusing more about God speaking to us because Jesus coming at Christmas was a fulfillment of God speaking thousands of years before. And I think it's so crucial that we hear what God is saying. So we know that God became a man um, and the man came to save mankind and that man was Jesus. But I don't know if you've noticed it, but when Jesus was born, not everybody saw that he was the Messiah. Not everybody recognized him as the Messiah. In fact, many of the Jews missed his coming, as did much of the world. And yet, there are some who didn't miss it. Those that Jesus chose obviously didn't miss it, but there is another group of people who did not miss Jesus' coming. These were the people who had heard and engaged with what God had previously said. One of the most important things that we can do is to get to know God through his word. And, and I would say that our big lack in life is that we know it too little. One of the, the things that I think is a real tragedy in the society that we're in is that we've kind of ditched God's values and what he said, and now we're reaping all kinds of negatives. I find it quite amazing people say, well, your God isn't doing anything about this mess. I says, no, that's because you've kicked him out. You turn your back on God. You say to God, we don't want you in our schools. We don't want you in our government. We don't want you in our country. Then everything we now get is because God is moving out. It's not God's fault. It's our fault because of the decisions that we've made. And we need to hear what God says. Now, God speaks to us through the Bible. We have this amazing book. You know, we take this book for granted sometimes. Um, for many people, they have a copy of this, but it collects dust on their shelves. You know, there are nations like China where this book is outlawed. It's outlawed for a reason, because people know that through it, they will not only get to know Jesus, but that they will experience forgiveness and the power of Jesus. Now, when we go through the Gospels, there's a, a refrain that we hear again and again, and it's this. This was to fulfill what was spoken. In fact, there is nothing that Jesus did that wasn't there to fulfill something that had been spoken in the Old Testament, either by the prophets or written in one of the Old Testament books um, that was there. And Amos tells us this, Amos 3.7, Indeed, the Sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. Let me tell you something. We need a prophetic word for our church. And by prophetic word, we don't need a word for the future. We need people who are prophetic, who can hear what is God saying to the church. Now, we need that on a number of levels. We need it in terms of our nation, our churches, but we also need it on a daily basis. Most of us make hundreds of decisions a day. We make decisions about where we live, where we work, who we marry. 
you know, decisions about how we spend our time and our money. And in the midst of that, if we don't hear what God is saying, there is a massive danger that we will just go by our own wisdom. There is a rebuke in the Old Testament where it says these people drink water from their own cisterns. It's essentially saying that they're looking at themselves for wisdom and they're no longer looking at God. If we look at history, we all have 2020 vision. Isn't it amazing? One of the things, I probably shouldn't say this because this is going online, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, one of the things that amused me is that there was so much stuff on the internet about the end of the world is nigh, about two or three months or a month into COVID hitting the world. And all these prophetic words came out and people sent them to me and I looked in there and I said, I'm not interested. And they said, why are you not interested in the prophetic word? I said, because if they were prophetic, they would have told me this six months before it happened. It's no point being prophetic when it's already there because anybody can do that. I can jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, this and this means this and this means that. It's when it hasn't happened, that's where you see a genuine prophetic word of God. If you look through the Old Testament, the prophet spoke and then it happened. They didn't wait for it to happen and then speak it. And that's what a lot of the stuff is doing today. We need a proper uh, prophetic gift at work in the church. Now, the Bible catalogues what God has communicated. He's communicated it through his prophets, through his leaders, through different people who wrote all the things that the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. And yet, we miss it. One of the most telling parts in the Christmas story is that of Herod. Three wise men come to Herod and say, we know that a new leader and ruler of Israel is about to be born and we're going to go and worship him. Now, Herod didn't like that because he was the ruler. And so what he did was he called together. It says this, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? What did he do? He wanted to know what God had said. The Messiah, he's coming. How do I know where he's coming? Let's go back to what God has said. And actually, all of these um, chief priests, scribes, Pharisees, they got it right in Bethlehem, but they missed Jesus because they assumed and they didn't uh, uh, delve in deep enough. If we know what God has written, it prepares us for today and it prepares us for tomorrow. We don't only have the Old Testament, we also have the New Testament. And the New Testament records everything that Jesus did and what he taught. It records what the apostles did and what they taught. It also records some prophetic words for the future. If you're doing a yearly Bible reading plan, the chances are you're probably in the book of Revelation. I know I am, and I'm chapter 7 at the moment on Revelation. 
The book of Revelation has one purpose, to tell us what is to come. You know, if the world wants to know what does our future hold, read the book of Revelation. If we want to know what the future holds, read the book of Revelation. Now, the difficulty is when you do read it, some of it is difficult to understand, but the general gist isn't, which means it's going to get worse for those who follow Jesus. We see that throughout the world. God is a speaking God. And I would say to you that God speaks mostly through the Bible. Now, I don't know how many, how many of you here this morning are needing God to speak to you. Let me say something. I'm not saying this because I'm any different than you. I would say on any given week, five days out of seven minimum, I hear God speaking to me. And I don't mean that I hear an audible voice. I mean that God speaks to me through the things that I'm meditating on in the scripture or the things that I'm thinking about that are to do with God and his word. The only reason I hear those things is because I'm making an effort to sit with God and to listen. Now, it's, I find it easier now than I did 20 years ago, but I've developed the practice, and so I don't find it very difficult today. I can sit down at my computer with God, and I can begin to hear what he is saying. I want to say that that is available to every single believer. You can hear God about your day, about your week, about your future, by spending time with God in his word. I can also say to you that in my experience in church leadership and in leadership in Christian ministry, that 90% of our ills are caused by a lack of biblical knowledge. That what people do is they do stuff that the Bible says you should not be doing. I remember many years ago, um, I had a, a, a woman come to me and says, well, you know, I've been going out with this guy. He's not a Christian and I've prayed about it and I felt God say to me, it's okay for me to marry him. And I said, well, then you're reading a very different Bible than the one that I'm reading. Because 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 6 to 16 says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Suffice to say that conversation didn't go too well. And it's not that I wanted to condemn or anything, but I just want to say, you can't change what God's already said. And so often, people say, this is what I want, but the Bible says something different. Here's another one. I don't play the lottery. Why don't I play the lottery? Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Now, I tell you, I've been pulled towards it. I mean, the thought of winning 70 million or whatever it is that people win on those things, oh, wow, could do a lot. But actually, I'm now over 50. 
I know a few multi-millionaires around. I've watched what a lot of money does to people, and I'm now in a position where I think, I don't really want it. Here's what Psalm 118, 8 to 9 says. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Yep, COVID is a disease that kills. We know that. It is not a good disease. But I am not going to live in anxiety over it. I'm not going to live in fear. Why? Because it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. And as much as I think our medical people are doing an amazing job, and I think our politicians are doing a job, I'm not going to trust in them. You know, I honour their position. I honour the amount of time and sacrifice they put into that. I honour the fact that they are under tremendous pressure. But in the end, I am trusting in God. If I die of COVID, I die of COVID. But I'm trusting God here. Now, I've had all of my vaccines and boosters. Yeah. And I'm not saying to any, my mum, again, shouldn't say this, my mum refuses to have the vaccine. And we've been having this ongoing conversation. And, and in the end, we've come to this position, which, which is really good. I've said to my mum, I totally get it that you trust Jesus by not having the vaccine. And she totally gets that I trust Jesus within the vaccine. The point is that we trust Jesus. Yeah, We trust Jesus within it. As much as I think our medical world are doing some phenomenal things, in the end, I believe these things come from God and I believe that he is the real healer. God's word to us becomes wisdom and it sifts our hearts and our minds. It judges not just our behavior, but our innermost thoughts. Sometimes I think that's why we don't want to sit there with God, because he delves in deep. He goes in. You know when you go to the dentist, and they're there, and they say, oh, should we just sort out this little bit? And they get this drill out, and then it goes a bit deeper than you want it to. And you're kind of going, as, as this thing is kind of going, into your teeth. And you know, we sit there with God's word, and this is what we're told in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Let me tell you, that is powerful. Just think about something that can cut between the joint and the marrow. If we sit daily with God's word, yeah, it will judge us, but it will also encourage us and it will give us words of life. That means that the Bible is not just important, but it is crucial. I want to ask you this morning, are you feeding yourself on God's word? You know, I've had people say to me over the years in the different places I've been, the different churches I've been, they moved on. And he said, why have you moved on from that church? They say, well, I'm not being fed. And my response is, what kind of people 
need to be fed. And so they think about it. Well, infants need to be fed. And those who have disabilities that they can't feed themselves, they need to be fed. Those are the kind of two categories. Which one are you? Because the thing is, you know, my son, he's nine now. I mean, I have to stop him feeding himself. I mean, when he's hungry, he's in those cupboards. And if we leave him there, he'll come out smiling and it'll all be gone. We have to feed ourselves. Let me say to you, my job is not to feed you. Did you know that? But people will say to me, Simon, but didn't Jesus say, feed my sheep? Yes, he did. But do you think Jesus meant that we're supposed to rip up the grass and place it in the sheep's mouth? Or do you think that we put people in a safe pasture where they feed themselves? You know, sheep with a shepherd, the the sheep have to feed themselves. The shepherd will not put the food in the mouth of the sheep. He'll say, it's here. And I'm saying to you this morning, hey guys, it's here. You are responsible to feed yourself. And to the measure that you feed yourself, to that measure will you be able to deal with the devil, with the circumstances, with the pressures, with the difficulty, with all of those things. In in the mid-90s, I was part of a ministry, and there was lots going on, and they asked me over a really difficult period to kind of take hold of leadership for about three weeks. And the pressure, there were some 60 team members and there was, you know, loads of stuff going on. And the pressure was so severe that I thought I'm going to have a nervous breakdown here. I was moving to a position where it was getting more and more difficult to just exist each day. And in the midst of that, God spoke to me. I don't know whether it was an audible voice, but it was a voice that I heard in myself, and it said this. You cannot take responsibility for other people's decisions. I said, what? I said, you cannot take responsibility for other people's decisions. And all of my mental stress and anguish was because I was taking responsibility for other people's decisions. And I said, I sat before God, I said, I repent, I'm really sorry, and I had no more issue. That's how powerfully God can speak to you. It was a word in season for me. And I want to say to you, the scriptures say, Jesus quoted an Old Testament scripture that says, people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And and we, if we do not feed on God's word, we are becoming weaker day by day and we will starve ourselves to death spiritually. I've seen that happen. I have seen people turn away from God because they have starved themselves to death. And I don't know what the future holds, but one thing is a foregone conclusion if you look at the current climate and if you look at the book of Revelation, these kind of gatherings as time moves forward are probably going to become less. Whether it's COVID, whether it's government restrictions, whatever it is, means we need to be able to feed 
ourselves. And I've given you two handouts this morning. If you've not got them, you can get them on the way out. Two handouts because I am simply, in the last 10 minutes, I am going to teach you a very simple way to feed yourself from the scriptures. Now, if you're already doing something that works, carry on. But this is just something for people who might struggle. I know for me, I wish somebody had taught me this uh, 20, 30 years ago because I had to struggle through on my own. But this is a very simple system that can help you. Why am I doing this now and not in the new year? Because I want to give you some time between now and the new year, which is just two weeks away, to have a practice over Christmas. To have a little go over Christmas and to hear God speak to you and to think, this is amazing, I'm going to do this next year. And, and let me also say something about discipline. One of the things that's always put me off is I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so if I do something, I want to do it perfectly all the time. Now, I read my Bible and I have a daily Bible reading plan, but I hit that about 90% of the time. Yeah. I don't do it every single day. Now, I catch up if I go behind and stuff, but there are some days or sometimes I have two days in a row where I don't get to do it. And that's either through my failing or whatever else. And I'm saying that don't beat yourself up if you don't manage to do something every single solitary day. Yeah. The point is to take it as a journey and to say to yourself, maybe I'll do this once a week. And when I've got that in, I'll try doing it twice a week. And I've got that going, maybe I'll increase it. The point is to start somewhere and to build up slowly. I've used this example before because it's one that was so powerful for me. But I remember going to a conference on prayer. And the woman speaking at this conference, she was phenomenal. And I thought, right, I'm going to pray. So I got up at 4 a.m. the next morning and then I went downstairs into the prayer room where I was and I slept for two hours on the carpet. <laughs> I wanted to pray, but I really bit off more than I could chew. Start slowly. You know, if your prayer life, if your Bible reading life is not very good, then set yourself something where you say, okay, I'm going to pray for five minutes a day and read the Bible for five minutes a day. That's really good. And that's doable, isn't it? We can do five minutes here and five minutes there. And when you've got that nailed down, then increase it. And then increase it. And after a while, you'll want to increase it because God speaks to you. So what I'm going to teach you this morning is to do with soap. It's called soap. I'll go through the acronym in a minute. It's about hearing God through scripture. There are some items that you will need. So you will need a Bible, a daily Bible reading plan. I'll make that clear why in a moment. A notebook and a pen. That's all you need. You can use your phone if you want to make notes. Uh, you can use a Bible reading plan on your phone. I've got one on my iPad and my phone that syncs that I use. Um, I make all of my notes on my iPad. I've got a pen. But you can do that in a separate notebook if you choose to do that. So, SOAP stands for four things. We get a scripture. We observe what that scripture says. We write out a personal application 
and we write out a simple prayer. Now, before you switch off, I've done stuff like this quite a bit before, but this one I think works really well. Let me start with scripture for a moment. One of the reasons we need a, a daily uh, reading plan is because if all we ever do is get up in the morning, think, what should I read today? And we open up, oh, that's really nice, and close it, and next morning, there's no continuity. We need continuity in getting through the Bible. And you know, if you want to read through the Bible in one year, it will take you 10 to 15 minutes a day to get through. It, it's not massive in terms of time. So daily practice is crucial, and so having a Bible reading plan, I've given you a Bible reading plan. If you have your own, just ignore it, but I've given you one that you could use with this. It's quite simple. One side has the first six months, the other side has the second six months. Choose whatever translation works for you um, and go through in doing that. Now, here's the process. What I used to do, so I, I, I've learned how to meditate on scripture. So what I used to do is I would say I'm starting in Numbers chapter 24 and then I would read the first verse and I would wait and see if there's anything that speaks to me. If that didn't have anything, I'd move on to the next verse and the next verse and so on. And that became a little bit tedious because when you get to 1 Chronicles where you've got seven chapters of names, I was moving on a lot of verses. So the idea here is, so you have your daily Bible reading plan, you say, okay, today I'm on uh, whatever book it is, and you start reading through your daily Bible reading plan. You read through, and as you read through, at some point in your reading, a verse will stop you. You have that? You're doing your Bible uh, reading plan, and all of a sudden, one of the verses stands out. Now, what we normally do is say, well, I've got to get through the rest of my readings. I'll come back to that later. We carry on, and we've lost it. What I'm saying to you is, when you come to the verse that stands out, you stop. doesn't matter if you don't finish your Bible reading at that point, you stop. And what do you do? You get yourself a notebook. And in your notebook, you leave the first three pages in your notebook completely blank because that's going to be your contents page. I'll explain that um, a bit more when we get down. So first three pages blank, so you get to your fourth page and what do you do? On your fourth page, you leave a space for a title because you don't know what the title is yet. You put a date down, and then you write the scripture that stood out to you. So you've been going through your Bible reading and a verse stands out to you. You don't quite know why, but it does. You write it down there. You've already prayed and said, Lord, I want you to speak to me. And so you write the verse down. So this is one that I did on the 23rd of November. I was reading Jonah at the time. And, I, and this verse stood out to me. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. You wouldn't have thought God could speak through that, but um, I'll tell you in a minute what he said. So I wrote that down, and then I moved to the second part, which I wrote the observation. I moved a bit down the page, I put a bit of an O on the side, and I wrote an observation. And my observation was, Jonah was running away from God. This got him into trouble. 
In fact, it ended up with a ship's crew throwing him overboard into a raging sea. That's a kind of death sentence. As Jonah sank into the sea, a large fish swallowed him. Jonah then prayed and God listened. So what was my observation? My observation was here was a man who had been disobedient to God, who was running in the other direction, and he prayed right at the very end. Right in the most desperate situation when you kind of thought, I mean, come on, if you're in the belly of a fish, you're kind of thinking, I've hit rock bottom here. It's not going to get much better, is it? And so I then wrote my application. And my application said this, it's never too late to pray. That was the word that God gave me that morning from that. If Jonah can pray in the belly of a fish when he's fluffed it all up and he's faced the consequences, then no matter what I do, whether I've left it too long, whether I've suffered the consequence of disobeying God, he heard rebellious Jonah and he'll hear me. And that encourages me, you know. I mess up loads of times. And to think, I keep coming back to this word and I keep saying, my Simon, it is never too late to pray. Now, on the 23rd of November, that was my spiritual food for the day. God spoke to me through that. And out of that, I went to the last bit. I wrote down a prayer. Prayer was quite simple. Lord, help me not to run from you. Help me to cry out to you, especially when I've messed up. And thank you that you listen, even when I don't deserve it. And so what I did, I went through my daily Bible reading. This verse stood out. I put it in. I then observed what, what was it saying to me? Why did I stop there? What was God saying to me? I wrote that down. Then I applied it to my life. Well, if God listened to him, he'll listen to me. He was rebellious. I'm rebellious. God will listen to me too. And then I sealed it with a prayer. Now, before you think you've finished here, we move on back to the top of the page and we write in our title. And mine for that one was, It's Never Too Late to Pray. And when you've done that, you can add the date if you haven't done it already. And then you go to the front of your notebook where you've got your contents page. And in your contents page, you add four columns. You need a title a reference, a date, and a page number. It's on the other side of one of your sheets of paper. And when you've added those in, you'll have a contents page that looks like that. And then when you've done your daily soap, you put it in here. So you write at the top, it's never too late to pray. You put the reference that you've got in there. For me, Jonah 2 verse 1, it's a bit small for you to see. I think, oh, you might be able to. Um, you put in the date and you put in the page number. Now, what are you doing? You are creating a list of God speaking to you. You've got a whole list of things saying, this is where God is speaking. If somebody says to me, Simon, what has God been saying to you? I can say, well, he's been saying to me, Simon, it's never too late to pray. And I can encourage other people, you know, it's never too late for you to pray either. You can pray anytime. Here's an example. Jonah 
disobeyed God, ran the other way, was thrown overboard, was swallowed by a fish, and when he thought this is the end, he prayed and God heard. Can you see how you begin to build up a wealth of God speaking to you? And God will give you stuff that will take you through your workplace. You'll read in the morning, and as you read through in the morning, you begin to um, hear what God's saying. You make a note, and you'll get to somewhere in the day, and you think, wow, that's for here. That's for now. That's it. That's as simple as it is. You slowly, over time, you begin to build up a catalogue of God speaking to you. So I have, I'm going to show you um, if I can. Um, let me move that away. So this was the last one that I did. So I have, I do it on my iPad. So I have um, a kind of contents page. This is what mine looks like at the moment. I only started doing this particular method in November. And so I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight things that God's already said to me. First one is it's never too late to pray. Second one came out of Genesis. I was reading God brings light in darkness. I loved that. I was just reading through and I was just stopped by the fact that it was all dark and God says, let there be light. And I go through really tough situations. And I think, man, I don't know what to do. And then I hear this voice, let there be light. And all of a sudden, oh, I know what I'm doing. I love it. And then Luke was all about uh, Jesus lets us choose. Can't remember what the context was for that. Never too late to pray. Um, oh, yeah, it was about Mary and Martha. You know, where Martha had chosen to serve and to do all this stuff, and Mary had chosen to sit at Jesus' feet. But Jesus didn't berate either one of them. He let them choose. And I was really challenged. I thought, you know what? I'm doing so many things, and Jesus says, you want to do it? You go ahead. But she's chosen some things better. I'm not going to take that away. And I thought, Lord, have I chosen the better thing? Or am I just, you know, working hard at doing nothing when she's getting all the good stuff? Then in Proverbs, I was reading, it takes effort to know God's word. We've spoken about this morning. This one really got me. Mark 8.33, the things of man are satanic. Did you know that? Let me go to that one. That was a really freaky one. So I was reading Mark 8.33, but turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I stopped there and this thought said, he is called the things of man satanic. Ooh. That takes a bit of thinking, doesn't it? Meditating in times of trouble, Psalm 119.23. I'm probably easier just going through this way, aren't I? Um, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your word. When I'm in trouble, because quite often when you're in trouble, you're thinking of ways to fix it, aren't you? And here's God saying to me, Simon, when you're facing trouble, I want you to sit down with me and I want you to meditate on my word. Oh, I like that. Don't compromise God's truth. This came out of two Chronicles. 
Um, the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, so this is, this is a really funny story, although it wasn't for him. It's a funny story because you've got this king who is really bad, who's asked this king who's really good to help him. And the king who's really good says, have you got a prophet of the Lord? He goes, yeah, but he never says anything good about me. So he gets the guy to come. But as he's coming, there are 400 prophets all saying um, to this bad king, yeah, you're going to do well, you're going to succeed. And they say to this other prophet who's on his own, can you say the same thing, please? And it says this. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah, he's the good prophet, and said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favourable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favourably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that will I speak. I thought, wow, so many times I'm tempted to compromise but I need to speak what God says. Now, why have I shown you all this? I've shown you this because I'm saying it's possible and you can create this index of what God, and somebody comes to you, what's God been saying to you? Well, what day do you want? God's been saying to me, but it's never too late to pray. It's saying the things of man are satanic. Be careful. He's saying it takes effort to know God's word and am I putting effort in? He says, I can choose. I can be Martha or I can be Mary. And you get how God begins to speak to you day by day by day. But if I didn't sit with my Bible reading plan, just reading through, and if I didn't stop when something stood out to me, and if I didn't note it down, I wouldn't have this. But this becomes a testimony of God's word to me. Now, I hope that's made sense. That's really it for today. Uh, I know I've gone over time, so I do apologize. It's... Uh, spoken longer than I want to, but I wanted to give you something that is really simple. And you know what? You can do that with so many things. I quite often find God speaks to me at night. I would prefer he didn't, but I'd much prefer he speaks than he doesn't. So, and, and I've got my phone by my side with a little note thing in, and I will write down what he says. And, and then I'll, in the morning, I'll sit there, and if it's a soap thing, I'll just work through it. And what is really good, don't neglect the application and the prayer bit. They seal that. It's not just understanding, saying it's never too late to pray. It's kind of saying, what am I going to do? This is how we grow. When God speaks to you, unless we say to ourselves, how am I going to incorporate that into my daily walking, my daily life, we will never grow. We've got to hear that and say, okay, I am now always going to pray, even when I think there's no hope. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I was, I was reading the testimony of a guy called Mark Batterson. You may know him. We did the Circle Maker book a few years ago. And he was sharing a story where he grew up with asthma. He grew up with asthma, and it was really bad. He was in the hospital loads of times. He'd been prayed for by everybody. He'd been prayed over hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds of times. And then he came into a meeting and he was going to pray. And he thought, what do I pray for? So I'm not going to pray for that because I've always prayed for that. And it's never happened. And it said, hey, one more time. And he got healed. Got healed of his asthma. And I want to encourage you, it is never too late. And we need to apply these things into our experience. And I would say to you, I will predict 
in your life in 2022, you will at the end of it be as spiritually healthy as you engage with God through his word. And I want to say at the end of 2021, why don't you start the practice and begin to work a habit and say, I will do this each week. I will sit down and I will do that. If you don't have time in the week to do it, maybe say to yourself, I get up half an hour earlier on a Sunday and I will sit and I will do that. Start there. But your ultimate aim is every day. You know, every day we eat food, every day. We don't say, well, I had a large roast last Sunday. I don't need one for the next month. Yeah, we eat every day. And I want to encourage you, feed on God's word. If you need help with it, let me know. But feed on God's word. This is really simple to do. There's a Bible reading plan and go through that. Let's pray and then we will finish. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness towards us. And Father, I want to pray that you would give us a hunger to hear you. I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word and a hunger to hear what you're saying. And I want to pray where we might think this is difficult, would you make it easy for us? Father, I just pray this morning that we would know you speaking into our lives day by day by day. So Lord, we bless you and we ask you'd be with us uh, help us, Father, uh, this evening, I pray. Uh, Father, I pray as well over this next period as people are going to visit family, watch over them, watch over their journeying and help them to have a great time. And Lord, we ask for your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen.